0: Warning: This episode contains adult language and content. They say the pen is mightier, but in whose hands? So we'll pit two stories head to head
1: and find out which one lands. While three sham writers haven't read a lot, so your sham host will find a famous plot from books and films. Then up you go to write what you don't
0: know? This is Sham Fiction. The show where two writers cross pens in a duel to write what they don't know. Now, here's your host, Eric Carlson. Yes, hello. Welcome to Sham Fiction. What do you know? It's me, Eric, your host for this week. Yay, Eric. That's me. Yay, yeah, Eric. Hey, thank you. That was the a massive crowd of people saying yay, yeah, Eric. You're the best. Uh, thank you. I, I, lo- love I, you. I, lo- I love you too. Thank you. Uh, anyway, hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am surrounded by two wonderful writers. We're the, surrounding you. Yeah, you're just, you're, you're looking a little... Uh, a little, uh, what do you call, I don't know, you're enveloping me right now. you saying Wilterweight Champion Andrew <laughs> Neal is enveloping you? Bringing that back, okay. Last week, you were all there, probably, maybe. Anyway, hi everybody. Uh, the writers this week, same writers that are always surrounding me <laughs> and enveloping me. Uh, over hugs. Yeah, hugs. Over here we got Andrew Neal. Hey, Andrew.
1: Hey, Andrew. That's me.
0: <laughs> That's you. That's my um, name. Hi, Eric. Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Uh, things are getting a little loosey-goosey around here. If yeah. You, if you can't already tell, uh, how are you feeling? like it? it's late
1: at night or anything no. like
0: that. I'm doing great. I'm doing really good. Well, fantastic. Yeah. I'm, do you got? You feel like you got it together? You you're still hold oh, it together? Oh, I got it together. Right.
1: Most definitely.
0: Fantastic. Now we'll uh, bring it over to our other writer, Marcus Mann.
2: That's me. I'm here burning the midnight oil to bring you sweet, sweet Sham Tunes. See, he seems like he's got it together. I think so. (laughs) That's me burning the midnight oil to bring you sweet, sweet
0: Sham Tunes. And he's a broken record. All right. Uh, He's feeling good, right? I'm feeling good. (laughs) In fact, you could say I'm burning the midnight oil to bring you sweet, sweet sweet Sham Tunes. Thank you so much. All right. That was all I prepared for this (laughs) episode. This is gonna be a very exciting story, then. Oh please, I'm excited. Oh uh, guys, this is this is gonna be a weird one. Uh, I have brought for you a fantastic film from 1995. Wait a second. Ooh. Wait a second. Wasn't the last movie you pitched uh, from 1995? Actually yes. Uh, You're just pitching the same ago, movie again. Last month, in fact. Okay. Uh, I did Demon Night, which yes. was from 95. This is also 95, also amazing, also somewhat in the horror genre, but a little Ooh. more sci-fi, a little more just kind of 90s genre. A little sci-fi. Uh,
1: it is a genre in and of itself, yeah, the
0: era. Exactly. <laughs> and it is the film Species, Ooh. a.k.a. Natasha Hemstridge Gets Naked, the movie. All right. Ooh. So this is uh, this is a, a film that was written by Dennis Feldman and directed by Roger Donaldson and it has a hell of a cast yeah and you two have never seen it and let me tell you you're missing out so we should see this after we write it you should definitely see this because it has the likes of Ben Kingsley the aforementioned Natasha Henstridge we got Michael Madsen whoa we got Marg Helgenberger hey CSI CSI Zone. I'm glad you know the name Forrest Whitaker oh
1: yeah Alfred Molina my goodness. Everybody is in this movie. They're all those people that are typically like the sideline characters in movies, but they're like the full cast of this movie.
0: Yep, and now they're all each other's sideline yeah. characters. So it's really, really coming together. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you about this flick, I think. I'm just going to jump right into it oh, because we got do. eight minutes to kind of give you everything I possibly can about this story so that you can write it. So here we go Pitch Session. Eight minutes on the clock. Three, two, one,
1: let's jam.
0: All right, so background on this. SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, gets a a signal from aliens. It's secret, very hush-hush. First, they send us instructions for how to create unlimited energy, right? Which is just cash, cash, I guess we have that tech now. Great. Oh, so they must be nice aliens. They also sent us information for how to splice alien DNA... With human DNA, and everyone's like, "Yeah, let's try it." <laughs> is it is it like in a lab, or do they just send a really open alien? It's just it's all it's all digital, It's just okay. information beamed down. So I guess they create it. I, they don't get into those. i just saying, like if the splicing just Carl important. from
2: Signon Six,
0: this <laughs> <laughs> says, "Yeah, we'll tell you how to do this, how to mix our DNA." Oh yeah, no, that's a very movie. easy way to do it. A very different <laughs> movie, actually, pretty similar. Oh guess would be by the end uh but anyway they just decide to like why not and they make this and they make a natasha henstridge and uh and then she gets loose whoops oh no uh and that's the setup for the movie all right um so so our characters i'll take you through all of our amazing cast so first of all you have xavier fitch who was played by ben kingsley that is a great name xavier fitch um, he, he, he decides to put a team together. Oh man. And, uh, cause, cause they got to track this alien down cause this thing busts out and, uh, it's not good. We got a loose alien. Uh, is nobody's, nobody's happy with this situation. So we've put a team together. So, uh, first up in the team, we got Michael Madsen who is playing Preston. They call him press. And he is a, uh, mercenary. He's okay. like, I guess sort of a guns expert though. You know, you don't see a lot of. Actual expertise from Michael Madsen at any point in this movie, but he's the mercenary. <laughs> but he I guess. keeps saying it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he and he's really it. cool about it. Yep. And uh, second, you got Dr. Laura Baker. That's Mark. Mark. Yeah. And uh, and she is the molecular biologist. She actually does some molecular biology in this movie. Well, that's good. Yeah. Hey. She actually seems to have a job. Uh, not everybody does. She kind of has a flirty thing with Michael Madsen, though. Ooh, so there's oh, kind of a thing going on. Like, ooh, look and looks. Madsen-Larg. Yeah, it's a good pairing. Mm, it actually works. There's that's some chemistry interesting. there. I
1: don't see that, but I'll take your word for just it. Just take my word for it. Uh, Third up, we got
0: Dan Smithson. Not as good of a name not as a Xavier name. Fitch. Not, no, not nearly. Not nearly as good. And that's Forrest Whitaker. Uh, oh, that's... He is the group's empath. He just... He, this isn't like a very, like, you know out there sci-fi i mean it is but it's not like there's aren't psychics in this world really but he kind of acts as the psychic he kind of feels things he's like oh where did she go um it seems like maybe she went that way because that's what i feel right now yeah it's kind of like counselor troy a little bit but weaker like a depowered counselor troy uh, spoiler: He's kind of useless. Okay. Doesn't do much. Kind of like
2: Counselor Troy. Kind of like
0: Counselor Troy. <laughs> Who's Counselor Troy am I missing? <laughs> from Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh, okay. That's you may why I don't it know. remember from it. our first sham
1: fiction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still haven't watched it.
0: <laughs> this is a shame. Uh, but yeah, little uh, doesn't do a lot, which is unfortunate because <laughs> you're wasting Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Uh, what and... is this? Rogue One. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Too soon. All right. Fourth up, we have Doctor Stephen Arden, who is Alfred Molina.
1: Hey, like that um,
0: you know what? He's I, not Doc Ock? Uh, he is not. Uh, he is He is like some sort of scientist. I actually forgot to write it down what he actually does. He's another, <laughs> like, he, he's like a professor. I, he's an actual professor of, like, uh, anthropology, I think. is Something like that. So he's kind of like human behavior sort of thing. It sort of works okay. out. It's not important.
1: Anthropology is like human, like, culture and stuff.
0: Uh, maybe it isn't anthropology. Maybe
1: it's something. I don't know. It's not know he's not biology. A professor. He's a smart he's, yeah, a he's a smart
0: guy. He can figure puzzles out, let's just say. He's got a British accent. What more do you need?
1: And he can control
0: tentacles with his mind. And that's not true. Okay. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, Natasha Henstridge. She's the alien, right? Four minutes remaining. Oh, no. Four minutes. Uh, her name is Syl in this. Um, and she ages super fast. So <laughs> you got oh. Natasha Henstridge running around. Uh, but the thing is, when they when they create this alien, it wasn't like 25 years ago. Before you get uh, the the baby Natasha Hensridge, it was like three months ago. They made this alien. It just grew really, really fast. Uh And at the at the age of like of three months, it looked like a twelve year old. Uh And that's when she busts out. So this little twelve year old girl like has she looks like a twelve year old, but has the strength of a Mack truck. She just punches through some bulletproof glass as you always do. Yeah, yeah. This bulletproof glass in the nineties. That's pretty common. Yeah, they don't make. They just—they don't make it like they used to. It's
2: bulletproof, not proof. Yeah, you got us there.
0: Yeah. Uh, So she runs off. And she's a 12-year-old girl. She gets, ends up on a train. She gets herself in a cocoon. She forms a cocoon <laughs> about herself. Oh, very nice. Mind you, she's, like, stupid. She doesn't have the intelligence of a 12-year-old, really, because she's kind of a wild animal. She's yeah. three months old, and she's this weird hybrid mutant monster thing. She forms a cocoon, and then out pops naked Natasha Henstridge. And oh, very good disturbing to think about that it's actually she's really a child yeah but she's naked a yeah. lot in this movie so so that's a little icky yeah but also well, just over the top she's an and, alien and, right she is so an alien. like but does she looks look like an alien she at all human. Or is she just a, just human? mostly she's just a human with these superpowers she does morph though. She's got she goes through this transformation. She actually kinda of, she throughout the movie she kinda of becomes this alien. Like she can kinda of transform into this kind of ooky reptilian looking ah. sort of thing, uh, designed by H. R. Geiger. So very Ooh. alien, but Ooh. like low rent alien. Okay. Like they didn't quite have the budget to make cool looking aliens on like aliens. <laughs>
2: they just hung out around the dumpster after he was throwing out the old sketches.
0: So it's kinda of, it's kinda of silly, but it, kind of that fun, over the top 90 sort of way two minutes remaining Ooh, two minutes um so what they uh what they find out the team is al- always like one step behind her you know because she's just running she has survival skills she can kill really easily she ends up leaving a trail of bodies wherever she goes because she's scared and she's trying to figure shit out and um, what they find is that she's actually been trying to find a male
1: oh. human
0: to mate with in order to reproduce, as you do, it's an animal, you know. Uh, really, it just serves as an excuse to get Natasha Hensridge out of her clothes. Uh, happens a lot, and uh, <laughs> but, but you mentioned that, yeah, over and over. Um, but she keeps like killing these potential mates. So they just end up dead. So they keep finding these bodies like, oh, she was here like five minutes ago. Ah, they have to chase after her. But they're discovering that she's trying to mate, which is no good because then you have a like a bunch of alien babies running around Los Angeles where this takes place. And that's a huge city with millions of people. She could be anywhere. There's so One many dudes remaining. that would probably get with that. You know, it's a problem. And so you have this team just trying to track her down, trying to stop her from, from doing the business, yeah. from getting it on and uh, and throughout the course of it she com- becomes a little more and more alien-y and it's disturbing and weird it and sounds great. like a wacky movie <laughs> it's such a wacky movie it here. sounds excellent I am so excited because I want to see what you do with it. This <laughs> oogly boogly alien stuff. Oh, oh, very, this is not an important detail, but I have time. Uh, she's got tentacles when she's like in uh, alien form, but they like just come out of her boobs. <laughs> just boobicles. There's boobacles. <laughs> it's like you got a port at the nipple juncture where the tentacles come out. Uh, it's very yeah. strange. Who directed this? Is she still uh, like, Roger like Donaldson. a human in that
2: mode, or she She's a still
0: shaped. Thing? like a human but she's got like spines on her back and she just kind of looks like a up. Anyway, uh,
1: that was a good te- detail to great. get in there i'm yeah. really glad that yeah. you uh you, got, very you got there very yeah. important mm-hmm. yeah yeah no so roger that... roger was like guess what we're
0: gonna do <laughs> yep that has to make an appearance uh. <laughs> actually you can choose to ignore that anyway uh, so, I mean, I covered everything you could possibly want in this movie, but I'm going to give each of you the opportunity to ask me some questions. Okay. So this is the part of the show where you have two minutes to ask me questions, but we got to do it one at a time, segmented, yeah. so that the other can't hear well, you know the, the answers to the questions and the other stuff. Yeah. That's how it works. That's, Lucy-goosey, that's, Lucy-goosey, as I said yeah. earlier. All right, so uh, I'm going to – I, I want to flip a coin. I don't actually have a coin, so I'm just going to – Marcus just made a – a noodly nipple gesture at me so he gets to go first oh yeah all right you know i'm not afraid to flaunt it (laughs) (laughs) so andrew i i will i will defer to this you just just go and (laughs) then and then be back in like two minutes okay bye bye all right marcus you ready i'm so ready two minute q a
2: begin are they allowed to kill can they kill her can they can they kill her yeah I i think they have to kill her okay Yep. So, it's not like the government's asking, oh, you got to keep her alive or anything. It's not like alien. Okay. Are they using this unlimited energy for anything? Not
0: at all. Just, never mentioned just again. It's like a bonus. Yeah, it's just, it's just mentioned at the beginning, never mentioned again. <laughs> uh,
2: okay. Do they do any other communication with the aliens or anything? Or is no. it just, no, just going to take no. her to this monster? Yeah, that. Do they shoot at her? Like, do they. They what, shoot what at her a try? lot. They, they try shoot,
0: like, actually hit her? She seems to be okay with bullets. You know, okay, she'll she get hit, hit it, and bulleted. then she'll recover. She can actually, at one point, she takes a garden pliers, like mm-hmm. a, a snippers, yeah. like a, a pruner, and cuts off her own thumb, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then it just, like, grows back immediately. Oh, like, a my. new bone sprouts out, new muscle forms around oh, that it. That sounds, like, cool. Graphics. Yeah, and, like, sure really, in the 90s, that was really, good really, really great 1995 yeah. CGI. Yeah.
2: What, what is the tone? Like, are they trying to be serious about oh, this? Oh, yes.
0: Oh, my, yes. The The result is pure camp. Yeah. But they are trying to take it very seriously. But it is silly.
2: Oh, my. Okay. Uh, are there any women in this other than species? Yeah, it's, just, it's just Marg. Yeah.
0: Marg, the, the molecular biologist. Okay. And then, uh, and then Natasha. Okay. <laughs> Only women. Well, so they got two. So yep. it's not fast on the back now. Yeah. Okay. No, not at all.
2: Uh, So... What is, like, the craziest image from this movie that sticks out in your mind?
0: Other than the boom typical. 30, yeah, uh, 30 seconds remaining. pretty hard. 30 seconds remaining. There's just a lot of crazy stuff at the end when she goes full alien, and she's bouncing around in full CGI, and just, oh it's my. insane.
2: Okay. So uh, she does
0: go full monster. She goes full monster. Yep. Right, do a lot of our crew die? Uh, One. Only one. So yep. low body count. Low body count. Make that's it true. count. I'm not going to tell yeah, you who. Okay,
2: yeah, yeah. That's,
0: All right. I, I, I just, I got to go. I don't know if I can time's question such up. great art. Well, time's up. So, uh, so head on out of here and I'll send Andrew I'll go find an back. Andrew. There you go. Hello, Andrew.
1: Hi, Eric.
0: Are you ready for your Q&A session? Uh, I think so.
1: All right. Two-minute Q&A begin. Okay. So is there any additional communication with the aliens? Oh, can't answer that. Oh, dang. Good, 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 good. Um so uh how powerful is this being in terms of it? like do they shoot her with bullets and then she's like I don't care about bullets? I can't answer that either. Really? I Gosh. can say that she's very strong and resilient. Very strong and resilient. Okay. Um so the, so she's got tentacles so she's a bit like octopusy but she's also lizardy yeah she
0: it's the only tentacles are out of the nips okay so otherwise she's pretty pretty xenomorph alien style in the way she looks kind of like this rubber suit sort of effect with a lot of piping and lines okay. but like around a human form with like spines in the back
1: okay okay yeah. sounds good okay um do we see kingsley butt no no kingsley see, butt do we see whittaker butt no Whitaker butt
0: do we see Madsen butt? I think you see some Madsen butt. There's some
1: Madsen butt? Okay. That, I suppose he's the, you know, he's like the, he was the, the young hot guy in mm-hmm. the 90s. That's so true. I guess that makes sense. Yeah.
0: I don't know if you, you see it full on, but, you know, that's at least a little implied butt. A little bit
1: of that. Yeah. A little bit of that. All right. Okay. So does she have, like, uh, uh, so there's like, uh, like, does she dance? Does she go to clubs and dance?
0: She does go to clubs. That's where she goes, to find men. Of course
1: she does. 30 seconds remaining. 30 seconds remaining.
0: She doesn't really know what dancing is necessarily, but she can she can go up to a man and, and seduce him easily enough.
1: So that's a good point. So she she's like three months old. Yeah. So she's like learning she's how to seduce as she's doing it. She's not yes. like immediately. Exactly. Like, uh, okay. Yeah. But she knows that if she
0: takes her clothes off, Men um, tend to come to her. So sure. That's easy.
1: Did they combine like uh, the hot chick? Or no, no, they grew her. Right, they grew her. They grew her. That's right. Time's I was like, up. Th- t- times Never up. Never mind. But I was just gonna say, like, <laughs> did they like combine the alien with the hot chick? Was that what they did? I couldn't they grew. remember. They, but grew they grew. this grew her. hot chick from
0: scratch. <laughs> they grew it because she started as a little one. Yeah, they said. took a took a little bit of uh, <laughs> take to, a little bit of flour, a little bit of water, some yeast. They just kneaded that together, made this hot chick. <laughs> That doesn't count as one of your questions. No,
1: no, no. This is not an answer to a question. Where's the question in all There's of no that? There's no
0: question. All right. Well, uh, you feel like you have everything you need? Yeah. Okay, good. Well, then get out question of here. Question mark? Go write, and then Marcus will write, and then after the break, we get to hear what you two wrote. And I couldn't be happier. Yay, stick around. Greetings, guys, gals sexy human alien hybrids it's our little commercial wherein i ask you to do something uh, for us if you like sham fiction you go over to itunes or the apple podcast app you find sham fiction you give us a five star rating it actually helps other people find the show and we want to reach as many people as possible you want to kick something back financially you head on over to www dot coffee.com/shamfiction and that's coffee spelled ko-FI and you can donate uh, the value of a cup of coffee. That's three dollars on the website. So if you three dollars like sham fiction, head over there and uh, click that little button and we really really appreciate it. All right. Back to the shams And we are back. It's the Species episode, as if you could forget over the last 60 seconds that we're doing the best movie of 1995. Hey, hey, Demon Spe- Knight. D- Demon Knight was good. Species, not as good, but better in a different way? <laughs> we'll let the, the listeners Guys, decide. art isn't
1: sports. Let's not compare. That's true. Art is not sports. You're right. People don't watch art. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, the species is most definitely art, right, Eric?
0: No, oh, yeah, no art—the art of failure. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, let's. uh... I want to hear these. Cause, oh my! Because it's species. <laughs> oh, this brings me such joy. So. You know, you guys look ready Marcus has his hand on his face And he's just just laughing In like a pain sort of way Like, oh my god, we're doing this Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, you'll find out Well, then I think we just have to start with you Okay So, are you ready to read your version? Oh, I, you know I'm as ready as I'll be
2: and I, I will uh, warn you, no offense is meant by the performance
0: of this piece. <laughs>
1: so... <laughs> no. Oh, my.
0: What is that? It's going to be a minstrel show, isn't it? Is that why the, uh, you're wearing no, blackface no. hey, right hey, now? Hey, <laughs> hey, Let's not even joke about that, please. <laughs> oh. Okay, good. Oh, boy. Uh,
2: well,
0: well, if you're ready.
2: Yes. All take right. it away. All right. This is Species by Marcus Mann. My name is Dan Smithson, and ever since I was a child, I could feel things. <laughs> you know how sometimes you have a feeling about what's going to happen, and then that thing actually happens the way you felt it was going to happen? Well, that happens to me. Except it happens to me more often than it happens to you. You see, I'm an empath. I won't bother you with the details of the psycho spiritual side of it, but basically, I feel shit. <laughs> That's what brought Xavier Fitch to my door. He was a big mucky-muck with the government. Told me that the G-Man had a bunch of satellites that found out aliens were real. Like that would be some kind of shock. I told him I felt like there were aliens for years. He could have just called me up. Wasted their fucking money. Then he told me the government had made a human-alien hybrid. And then he told me it was loose in L.A. and he needed my help to find it. And then he told me that it had banging titties. (laughs)
1: I told him I was
2: in. He took me to a secret government facility where we were joined by doctors Arden and Baker, an anthropologist and a biologist who felt everything they needed to know could be learned from books. One look at each of them told me neither had ever felt anything in their lives. (laughs) Rounding out the team was Prez, a mercenary who knew more about ammunition than premonitions. Like a gun would serve you better against an alien than a feeling. Pathetic. Fitch read a map of Los Angeles out on the conference room table with X's drawn on it in red pen. Sill has killed five men in the three days since she's escaped, he said. Sill? I asked, voicing the question everyone was obviously thinking. The alien? <laughs> Fitch replied. It seems like he could have gotten that from context. I don't do context, I said with a wink. I do feelings. <laughs> now... What are these five X's? Fitch stared at me in disbelief. I was used to that kind of reaction to my gift. They're the locations of the five of the five murders the alien did, I finished, to stun silence in the room. Fitch sighed, trying to catch his breath. Yes, that's right. Now we need to find her before there's another X on this map. Ah, it's a psychic map, got it. I said... The next X will show up when the next murder takes place. No, I would draw in the X. It's not the X that's important, it's what. I'm saying we need to stop her before she kills again. Then let's move, I said. It's not as simple as all that, Arden said, in his smug British accent. If there's one thing I can't stand, it's smugness. We need to understand Sill's motivation. If there's a reason she's behaving the way she does, After all, she's only a few months old. Hold on a second, I said. When Fitch brought me into this, he said she had banging titties. I did not say that, Fitch said. I'm paraphrasing, I said. Try to keep up. Use context if you have to. I shot him another wink. Well, Baker joined in. She may only be 97 days old from a chronological perspective, but biologically she has the attributes of a grown woman in her physical prime. And we're, uh, cool with that? I asked. <laughs> well, not to step on Dr. Arden's area of expertise, but it might be crucial to understanding Sill's motivation. But I don't know what you mean by are we cool with that? <laughs> Presnos, I said, tossing out my third wink of the evening. <laughs> Pret shook his head, as if to say, not in front of Dr. Baker. I can respect that. He totally knew. So, what do we need to do to get going? That's what I brought you here for, Fitch said. You're the experts. How do we track her down? I could run an analysis of the disturbances in the local biome and create an algorithm for pinpointing her next location, Baker said. No, that won't work if there's a psychology to her movement that's not mathematically predictable, Arden argued. I spent a lot of time tracking people down in the bush back in Nam, press said. And you're both wrong. We need to get eyes on the street. And I closed my eyes to shut out the noise. <laughs> then I reached out to the map and ran my fingers over its coarse surface, <laughs> feeling it out with my hand like I might feel out some banging titties. When I stopped and opened my eyes, my finger was resting on an intersection halfway across town. The rest of the group was looking behind me. But I didn't want my... To move my eyes off the spot until someone brought me a marker. You never know when the foresight will strike again. It's best to be diligent when it does. Is that where you think she'll show up next? Prez asked, unslinging the assault rifle he had at his back. His eyes were still looking over my shoulder. Guaranteed, I said. Then why don't you tell her? Prez said. He nodded behind me, and I turned to see the alien, Sill standing behind. She was fully <laughs> naked, of course. But there were some weird alien-looking sharp bits protruding from her skin at odd angles. And worst of all, she had these awful tentacles coming out of her nipples, just totally ruining the effect. (laughs) Like I said, I said, pointing to the ground, just as I had been when I was pointing at the ground, but the table and the map were in the way. She'll strike here next. (laughs) Well, that's other bollocks, Arden said. I didn't get a chance to reply before Sill moved on him and cut his throat with a flail of her noodle nips. <laughs> Prez opened fire. Tracking Sill, she darted across the room. He changed, mag- changed magazines in a blur, keeping her pinned down in a corner. Maybe guns did have some use. She screamed as she realized there was no escape, then leaped up and burst through the ceiling in retreat. Could have sworn she gave me a look before she did. <laughs> When the ringing in our ears settled down and Fitch and Baker drew themselves up from where they cowered, we were faced with deciding what to do next. I'll take my money and be going. I said. Fitch looked shocked in a way that only the sightless can. Going? I hired you to join the team. You hired me to find her, and I did. I said. (laughs) She showed up right here in the room where I was pointing to where she would show up. If you want me to find her again, I would be happy to. But I have a feeling it's going to cast you (laughs) the end (laughs) oh
1: my god oh
0: oh, oh, jesus oh god oh that's something oh pitching species was the best idea I've ever had (laughs) thank you for that gift oh my goodness
1: Uh, you're you're very welcome Oh my so that That's... that was one of the, the the hardest hardest laughs I've had on this show. <laughs> I don't know if I can read now one because who I can't fucking follow that. And and you, two you, you can't I, I can't breathe. I have to yeah. catch my breath right now. I got to take a drink. <laughs> well, well while Andrew's
0: taking a drink so that he can follow that um Marcus, I just <laughs> The the loving contempt of this property is so apparent, (laughs) and I can't wait to go into depth about what you just wrote. But but before we do, we gotta we gotta listen to Andrew Neils. I'm I'm excited. I've got a
1: feeling it's gonna be great. Oh (laughs) man. Oh, boy. Hey, Andrew, how do you feel? Oh, man. Well, I feel really good because I just heard a really funny thing that pleased me to no end. Uh, but I'm also got to read my thing now, so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, boy. Uh, I can do it. I can do this. You know,
0: I, I will note that uh, I had such a protracted, or not protracted, an, a, 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 well, an exaggerated sigh and lean back moment of uh of pleasure after that story that i actually uh i i snapped the plastic on my chair that (laughs) i'm sitting on the uh the so i have a non-functioning backrest at the moment oh no that's what you did that's what you did marcus
2: i think that's what my spot-on interpretation of forrest whitaker's character and species
1: did. yep that's what it did Anyway, oh boy. are you good, anyway, man? Or can you can you get through this without a back to I, your chair? I just
0: I gotta rely on my core strength oh now. Boy. I think I'll
1: get through it. Okay, well then I'll I'll, I'll get. I'll, let's get to this. Let's get to this thing. So this is Andrew Neal's take on the classic mo- monumental film uh, species. This is the rhythm of the night, the night. Oh yeah. <laughs> The rhythm of the night. This is the rhythm of my life. My life. Oh, yeah. The rhythm of my life. (laughs) Then the beat hit. Bum. 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 Like an actual physical prodding against Xavier Fitch's skull. I'm really tiring of this bullshit. He said aloud with a sigh. It wasn't like anyone could hear him. He hardly heard the words himself. This was the third club they'd searched that night, and each one was the same. Dark rooms dimly lit by gaudy neon, interrupted at regular intervals by blinding strobe flashes. It was a miracle the gyrating crowd of youths around him wasn't riddled with (laughs) epileptics. They all had to be partially deaf, surely, with that incessant pummeling beat. He massaged the back of his head where it met his neck. "'I may have an aneurysm,' he said." (laughs) If he did, he'd have company. Fitch had been following a trail of dead men found inside and outside L.A. clubs all week, though the others died of a different variety of hemorrhage, the conclusion to a fatal encounter with a confused animal in disarming camouflage. Fitch felt a light touch on his shoulder. He turned to face Preston. During their brief acquaintance, Fitch had grown used to this man's sudden appearances. He slinked around like a panther stalking prey, which fit his role, Fitch supposed. Smithson told me he's having his strongest senses yet, (laughs) Preston said, speaking directly into Fitch's ear at a volume that would have been ridiculous anywhere else. Fitch turned around to see Dan Smithson hanging back. God, I can't even look. I'm sorry. Okay. Fitch turned around to see Dan Smithson hanging out near the club's entrance. The man glistened with sweat and was breathing heavily. Breathing heavily. He doesn't look so good. Fitch bellowed back into Preston's ear. Preston smirked. Neither do you. Fitch massaged (laughs) his neck again. I'm fine. It's just the lights and the mute. Listen, we should check the back. Definitely the bathrooms. Any nook or cranny where she... No need. Preston interrupted. He pointed. Fitch looked. Near the back of the club behind the glowing, sunken dance floor, filled with writhing bodies, a man appeared out of a dark hallway. He staggered, weakly, and his face was wide in an unheard unheard scream. He was missing an arm. It had been removed (laughs) at the shoulder. Fitch grimaced in horror at the sight. Upon seeing people, the man advanced on them without paying mind to the stairs leading down to the dance floor. He fell out of sight behind the crowd, but Fitch could see those near the man begin to back away. Then the muted screams began. Fitch turned to Preston, but the man was already gone. Fitch spotted him working his way around the outside of the dance floor towards the back, unhurried, but deliberate, as was his fashion. Meanwhile, on the dance floor, panic had set in. People were pushing past Fitch, making for the exit. Fitch turned and followed them, but not to escape. He found Smithson cowering near a support beam. The man was wide-eyed and shivering uncontrollably. Fitch hunkered down in front of him and his feet pounded around them, adding to the punishing beat of the music. Why hadn't anyone turned that shit off? he thought before shouting, <laughs> Get up! Smithson proceeded to shake his head and mutter no repeatedly. Get up! Smithson seemed caught in a loop. His nose began to match the beat. Fitch slapped him. Pull yourself together, man. We're gonna need ya! Fitch noticed the stampede around them beginning to lighten. He turned away from Smithson, back to the dance floor. Sill was there. Perched on the far end near the place where her damaged mate had emerged. She still had the man's missing arm in her grip. To the right, hanging back near the wall, Preston had his handgun trained on her. A crowd of club patrons remained, grouped around on the dance floor. They watched Syl like an enwrapped audience, but Fitch could see that they were simply too frightened to move. At the center of this strange theater, below Sill, her unlucky mate lay motionless, bleeding onto the lit floor. Fitch turned back to Smithson. We're up. I can't f- focus, Fitch. There's s- too t- too much. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Fitch grabbed the man's arms and pulled him up. He then locked Smithson's nearest arm in one of his own. We'll go together, Fitch said. Smith continued to quiver. Smithson continued to quiver, but after a moment he nodded. He began to move slowly forward, Fitch yelling into Smithson's ear. Focus on her. Forget the rest if you can. Smithson nodded and looked straight ahead at Syl. She took notice of their approach, watching them with the vigilance of a predator. Mind the steps, Fitch said to Smithson, guiding him down to the dance floor. Focus. Feel her. Fitch looked over at Preston, catching his eye. They nodded into they nodded to each other in acknowledgement. She she didn't like that, Smithson said. What? Fitch asked. She saw you l- look at Press? She she didn't like it. Fitch peered up at Syl, who was now focused directly on him. They were close enough now that he could catch the vulgar yellow of her eyes, penetrating through the dark room. The beat of the music now seemed to be picking up with Fitch's own pulse, and the strobe lights kicked in. Okay, well, keep me posted on her temperament, Fitch said into Smithson's ear. Calm her if you can. It doesn't work that way, Smithson replied. Of course it doesn't, <laughs> Fitch sighed, trying semi-successfully to remain composed as he and Smithson came to a stop. He straightened up his posture as best he could with Smithson still hanging off him and took a deep breath. The time had come. He had been anticipating this confrontation, but Fitch still didn't have any idea how effective reasoning was with her was going to be. Standing in front of him now, Syl appeared so human, but she was so very not. <laughs> Syl, Fitch began calling to her over the throbbing beat. "'We have no desire to hurt you. We may—we we want to help you.' Still stared at him despite the blinding strobes, considering him with her menacing, unreadable gaze. "'You cannot continue to hurt people,' Fitch continued. "'We understand these aren't your intentions,' he gestured to the one-armed man on the floor, who was either unconscious or, more likely, dead. Smithson spoke into Fitch's ear. "'She's afraid.' "'Afraid?' Fitch asked, not moving his eyes from Sill. "'Of what specifically? Us?' Smithson took a moment before responding. "'That's part of it. But when you referred to the body, she reacted. Not quite angry, or frustrated. More than that. Afraid. I think she fears her own strength.' "'That was good,' Fitch thought. He could use that. "'We can help you, Syl.' He said, trying to keep his tone, assuring despite having to yell over the music. We can find someone for you. This doesn't need to happen again. He motioned to the man's body again. If she didn't understand his words, his tone and gestures were all he had. That's good, Smithson said. She's relaxing. Fitch could see this too. Sill's breathing seemed to be lightening. Please, Sill," Fitch urged, and he gestured to the severed arm in her grip. At this, she broke eye contact with him, looking down at the arm. She started a little upon looking at it, as if she hadn't been aware she'd been holding it. She dropped it to the floor. It rolled down the two stairs to the dance floor, leaving a bloody trail. Fitch sighed in relief. Thank you, he said to her. She's so afraid, Fitch, Smithson said. Sill looked up at Fitch again. He saw the tears in her striking eyes. It's okay, he assured her. You're going to be okay. Then a sound ripped through the club. A horrible, deafening screech. And in a matter of a few seconds, everything fell apart. Fitch and everyone in his line of sight, including Smithson, cupped their their hands over their ears to block out the noise. It sounded like the nails of giant hellhounds scratching against every wall of the club. Sill screamed, prompting Preston to react. He fired twice. Fitch couldn't see if they hit, but still screamed again in response, this time in rage. It sounded human at first and then grew more alien, and unlike anything Fitch had ever heard. Her form followed, as her hands lengthened into dark, terrible claws. She leapt away from Preston toward Fitch, who fell towards the ground. Preston continued to fire, seemingly without consideration for the bystanders. When Fitch hit the ground, his eyes opened wide, and he watched as a lethal slash of monstrous claws missed him and ripped through Smithson. A spray of the (laughs) man's blood splashed against Fitch's Fitch's face before his body hit the floor. They were now face to face. Smithson's head (laughs) remained attached to his body, but only by a thin (laughs) strand of skin and muscle. (laughs) Syl fled through the club's front entrance, cutting through others in her escape. Preston gave chase, but he would soon lose her when she leapt onto the roof of a strip mall across the road and disappeared into the alleys beyond. As the remaining club goers fled the dance floor, Fitch got to his knees and rested a hand on Smithson's immobile chest. Later, he would learn that the horrible sound had not come from hellhounds, but rather some idiot who had attempted to lift the record playing on the DJ's turntable. The idiot claimed he'd been trying to help. Fitch remained by Smithson's side even after the club emptied. At that time, the anger, sorrow, and guilt he would feel as a result of the man's death and Sill's escape had not set in. That would come later. For now, at least, he felt slight slightly relieved, because he had gotten one thing that he wanted: someone had turned off that dreadful music. (laughs) (laughs) The end. Woo! Wow! That's you know
0: what's incredible about that, Andrew Neal. What's that? That despite my pitch for this film, which is uh, pure uh, contempt, again, (laughs) uh, you somehow managed to write something that is, like, exactly like this film. (laughs) I'm very impressed. Like, tonally, you took it seriously and you nailed it. Thank you. Good job. I appreciate that. But... But then you got Marcus's that oh, we just heard. God. This is this is gonna be
1: this is gonna be a tough decision. It took everything actually. in me to not and at the first it was really hard to not picture his Smithson whenever yeah. I brought up my own. I was like yeah. Com- completely different, completely yep. different, not the same, stop it. <laughs> oh man. Oh
0: that's good. Cause yeah, you broke the first time you mentioned Smithson, that was great. Oh,
1: just it was so hard. Uh oh, oh. man.
0: Well, while I'm deliberating and trying to figure out which of uh, which of you will win this thing, um, I want to hear some reactions. Um, we'll start with uh, with Marcus, uh, yeah. since we heard your story story first. Um, what about this process, writing this? I mean, whatever that thing, the, the thing you just wrote is, whatever that is, <laughs> how did that happen? How? Uh,
2: <laughs> well, I, I think that I was inspired by the ridiculous tone that you were describing. I couldn't get over how funny a notion Smithson was to me. (laughs) Yeah. That I made the conscious choice that, yeah, this probably isn't going to be as close to the material, but I just want to write a piece about ridiculous Smithson, who is completely useless and completely full of himself. (laughs) Because I assume at some point in his life, he must have said, yes, I'm an empath.
0: This (laughs) works. Yeah. Yep. you had to make that decision
2: so I I, I started with uh, what was going to be like the opening voiceover for the Smithson TV show uh-huh. uh, is how I, I envisioned it, my name yeah. is Dan Smithson and ever since I was a child I can feel yep. things uh, that was oh. so great and I just kind of went from there I, I was Beautiful. also
0: inspired by your uh, Sharknado Oh, that's good. Uh, how long did it take you to write it? Like an hour and a half. I, yeah, I just plugged I, I it. I'd expect no less.
1: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I just felt, well. just felt it out. Oh, definitely. I, 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 yeah, you felt
0: it. You felt, 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 felt my it way out. through. Yep. It's good. All right, Andrew, your story. You're much more accurate oh, depiction man. of species. Oh, I had
1: fun. I had a lot of fun writing this. Um, it's it was so ridiculous it's such a ridiculous thing and i don't know i i i could have gone pure i mean it is pure cheese ball it absolutely <laughs> is by going by playing it straight mm-hmm. um but one thing that i uh, hit on which uh, i got in the uh the Q&A segment my Q&A segment was that there are clubs mm. in, it, in the movie of course oh, yes. there are clubs it's a 90s movie so i just i was so I I, I just caught on that detail and I was like, I got to set this at a club. It's got to be music pounding and, and, and I'm going to set it with Fitch, who's just not having it, who does not want this music. And Uh. like, so like the music was kind of the thing that like brought it all together. Like that, that was like the piece, like, even though there's all this other stuff going on in the end, it starts with the music and it ends with that. So that's kind of what I, how I approached it.
0: And and just to imagine this scene in the movie where you actually have to listen to that soundtrack <laughs> incessantly playing through this whole thing. That's the part that hurts me. Like, yeah. I'm really happy that we don't have to hear the rhythm of the night right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was killer. killer. Thank you. Um, But I, I got to make a decision. Uh, Only one of you can leave here with the prize. And... um. And and you know what? Do you know what, guys? Uh, what? What do we know?
2: Wait, I do know. Just tell me first, and I'll confirm that that's what I knew. That that's what you felt?
0: <laughs> you you uh, can feel it. You can feel it. I think... Uh, I, we've never done this before on the show. I think Marcus wins. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mark, Marcus is the winner. You <laughs> presumptuous
2: you. Oh, I enjoyed
0: this way more than the original. <laughs> so... As, as as is the case All students must soon One day kill their masters <laughs> <laughs> Kill their masters <laughs> uh, oh, that's, I, I learned from the Sith uh, Anyway uh, Margus I enjoyed yours immensely um, <laughs> Andrew Yours was much closer to the original uh, That was written by Dennis Feldman oh, And congrats yeah. to Dennis but He hit the top <laughs> three does, it hit the top three. Does not hold a candle to Marcus Mann's version of Species. Oh, jeez. Because I can't not. It's just too much fun. I laughed <laughs> yeah. harder than I've laughed at anything in a very long time. Agreed. Agreed. But no, seriously, no disrespect to, to Dennis, to Mr. Feldman. Uh, You wrote a hell of a film. Hell of a film. It is everything you could ever want in a 1995 like sci-fi action thriller about a uh, 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 hot babe with banging titties. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I just can't get over that. I'm speechless. I can't get over it.
2: Thank you, Eric. Uh, yeah, of course. You know, Mr. Feldman, you held the the trophy for 23 years. Uh, the record. Pretty good runs Pretty run. good run. Pretty good run. Uh, yeah. Wow. Thank you. I uh-huh. I had just I just favored fun with this one. That was yeah. that was my whole deal. I just wanted everything to be fun. I had such a ridiculously fun time writing the dialogue at the map. Um, oh, God.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> just a misunderstanding of how the map even works. <laughs> like expecting there to be an X that just shows up because the map is psychic. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Oh, boy.
2: Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, this was a fun one. It, uh, I, I really did do more free writing with this than I normally do. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Sharknado earlier. That was another... I mean, I, that's that's a movie I could not stand. I uh, normally try to find the good in everything. And, you know, they, they've had enough success that they probably don't need my love. Uh, Sharknado. So good yeah. for them. But yeah. uh, your, your version of that was so much fun, Eric. And if you haven't listened to it at home, go back
0: to season one and listen to a- Eric's uh, Sharknado. Just hysterical. The, and I still haven't seen the actual Sharknado, but I'm going to guess that Species, a fair, amount, fair bit uh, more watchable, perhaps. I would, my I would guess. guess. It's my feeling. It's my feeling. I'll have to watch Species. I'm, I'm so interested in watching this movie now do it it's so ridiculous yeah it's so much fun uh but uh andrew neil um the thing that really strikes me about yours is just how accurate it actually was i mean obviously i went for fun over accuracy which is maybe unfair uh because you did a, an amazing job with yours all the characterizations your version of smithson your Forrest Whitaker.
1: You nailed it. Yeah. 100% nailed it. So this is a movie. I have never seen it, but I know this movie. Like, (laughs) I've seen so many like it. Films like this, same with Demon Knight to a certain extent. These films from the the 90s, horror films from the 90s, uh, I just, I know them. I know what they look like. I know what they sound like. The style of the performance that. I just I, I tapped into that and tried mm-hmm. to hit as close to that as I could. And Forrest Whitaker like when you get like a nervous Forrest Whitaker like <laughs> yeah. I
0: I yeah, nobody nobody wants a nervous Forrest Whitaker. Uh, oh, man. I could see that. It was but
1: great. But th- that's what he's like when he gets that way and like like just sweaty and and mm-hmm. glistening like that tried to hit that detail and I just yeah. Yeah, so just tried to hit that it's funny though your accuracy to
0: the genre and the time period almost kind of work against you in a way because you're writing something that is so perfectly at home in this genre and and it's uh it can be it can be kind of tedious you know it's like you know these beats you've seen this film before you know how this goes you know Mm -hmm. exactly how this scene has to play out and going into this as a as a fan of those films and, and listening to your story, it's just like I feel like I've heard it before. Yeah. So there's a certain level of it feels like it's not original. Yeah. In some ways, so it's like this double-edged sword. Like yes, you nailed this tone having not seen it, which is amazing. But at the same time, you wrote something I'd seen before because it's species. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's a that's a really good point, and I could definitely to to t- to jazz this up a little bit. You know, added something that was a little bit more unique um to it but um yeah i mean it's just i went with the, the 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 tried and true you know something that i recognize yeah and i think you did a great job
2: oh yeah it was spot um, on. i could see everything in your in your piece andrew uh, thank you
1: and it killed me that you opened with the song that was yeah. <laughs> the
0: rhythm of, of the night the rhythm of my life
1: yeah i uh, i went on spotify and searched for 90s dance tunes and as i was outlining this one i was listening to those getting in the <laughs> the mood and that was the one that stood out the most so i decided to have that be the song that's playing over this
0: that's fantastic can can we like can we take this episode out to that song i think there's any legal reason why we can't play corona's rhythm of the night from 1993 at the tail end of our episode
1: i think we have to
0: I think we have to now. Let's
1: do it. I think if you keep it like under, because I think if it's like under thirty seconds, you're okay.
2: I think if it's uh, restrained to our listenership, we're okay. We're probably that's that's a good
0: point too. Safe bet. (laughs) Uh, Any uh, any other reactions? Because there's just is so much ridiculous. I have trouble wrapping my
1: brain around what I just heard. Marcus, you wrote one of the funniest things. Like it just (laughs) it just. Oh, man, like, I'm just so pleased right now. This is one of my favorite things. Uh, Thank you. And it just, gosh, it's hard for me even to dig into it because you just, you nailed like the voice of it too, like just the way that you performed it. But I can, I could sense it there on the page too, that it, it just, the, the the comedy of this, the just, oh man, this this <laughs> character is just so ridiculous. I, I, I was just so pleased. Um, throughout that, uh, I'm with Eric. Like, that's one of the hardest laughs I've had just at anything in general recently. Uh, Aww, thanks, guys. So good. Yeah, I just realized. Um, and,
0: and tell me if I'm wrong is this okay? This story that you wrote, Marcus, this was just a retelling, basically. You were covering ground from the pitch, more or less. Uh, this whole introductory thing. You bring in uh, Dan Smithson, and you give the whole story, and it, they're sitting there at their first meeting. Did That's all stuff I covered, right? In the pitch? Yeah, or did, I don't think you talked about the
2: meeting, but you talked okay. that Xavier had put a team together. Yeah. So I, okay. I just wanted to set it early
0: in that process. Gotcha. No, it's actually, I, I just kind of freaked out a little bit, because that, of course, they all get together in a room in Fitch's like office basically to talk about the problem early in the movie. They all gather exactly as you said. I mean, the real version isn't as ridiculous, (laughs) but it's the exact same scene. So I freaked out a little bit. So, I mean, good job. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I didn't have anything about that in my notes. So I Yeah, uh,
2: just, just, you know, it's, it's like what Andrew said. We have this memory of what these nineties movies look like. Oh yeah. So of course Mm -hmm. you're going to have a very clear framing conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, so one thing I'll I'll note as we talk about the writing here was the thing that made me struggle the most was dealing with altitude, like how how big
0: you're going with those silliness or what do you mean? So
2: when I when I think about altitude, I, I think about how close are we to the action?
0: Mm. So uh,
2: something oh, sure. in like outer space would be. Uh, America was forged through a violent conflict with the British who had lost track of their colony. Right. So like that that would be covering hundreds of years. You're not getting into any of the detail. And as you Mm. get down into lower altitude, you'd be like, all right, well it was this year and there was this battle or you'd get into the moments that would be like the lowest altitude is, you know, and each, each heartbeat you felt as you're running, trying to escape the flea of bullets and, uh So, with this, because I'm doing this as first-person, first-person stories tend to be at a higher altitude, right? You don't go into... If I'm telling you a story about something that happened to me, I won't give you much dialogue. I won't give you much uh, characterization. It's going to be these wider sweeps. And you kind Mm -hmm. of pop in and out of different levels of altitude where it's like, you want to believe what Jimmy said. Jimmy's going on about this. And then he left for a while and he did this and then he came back and then he said, so you're just wildly swinging between these altitudes. And that was the place that caused me to pause was when I tried to lower my altitude uh, after doing that kind of opening where it was all just,
1: Ah, this is how we got to this point. So it's just something to think about. That's a good thing. I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I was aware of that change as you did it. And I, cause I thought the way that you started that we were going to get, like a, yeah, like like you said, like a 35,000 feet view of, you know, an airplane view of Species. I thought you were just going to go through the whole movie, the way that you opened it up, the way that you did. But when you kind of, like you said, zoomed in to that one moment at that point, it was it wasn't jarring. It was just like, oh, I noticed that click. I noticed that shift and it was good and it still worked. Um, really well. You know, one other little thing that I thought you handled very well
0: because it be, it's really tricky to do and I think a lot of it has to do with your performance actually that made it work is that you have uh, Smithson who is in his own movie yeah. <laughs> yeah while everyone else is in the movie that Andrew wrote yeah. or I guess more accurately the movie that Dennis Feldman wrote <laughs> Yep,
1: that makes more sense <laughs> uh, Yeah <laughs>
0: Um, so all the character reactions and the, the characters that are not Dan Smithson are grounded and they're reacting to Smithson the way that we are reacting to Smithson, the way you would react to Smithson. It's like you have a cartoon character that is suddenly in real life and like, how do you deal with this thing? What is this? You yeah. know. And, uh, and part of that, like I said, is the performance, but uh, there was a balance that you were striking between the over-the-top ridiculousness of his point of view and his dialogue and then how everybody else is reacting. Um, I think the fact that I was laughing my ass off the whole time makes it difficult for me to break down, you know, how it balanced out because it worked for me because I was just loving the ride. But that's an interesting thing I'd like to look back at. Like ma- like read the text of your story and see how that feels when you don't have the performance. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see what you think. It's, it's
2: definitely a challenge because I'm trying to balance. Uh, you have Fitch who gets most of the direct reactions here and mm-hmm. the rest of them. I, I put them kind of as the next rung of characters who are really just mouthpieces for exposition, which is what you get in these types of movies all the time. Mm-hmm. Sure. So it's like, yeah, that is a weird thing, but here's how we're going to handle this from a bioticular standpoint.
1: Yeah, yeah. You yeah, yeah, know, yeah. Just, everybody uh, has their expertise. Yeah,
0: yeah. so that was the scene that I was, I was going mm-hmm. for. Um, Can we talk about how uh, Andrew cut Forrest Whitaker in half? Yeah, please. I love that. I loved it. So hard, you know why I loved it, Andrew. What? Why? Uh, be- <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> because we never get that in Species, in the real one. Oh, is it PG? Oh.
1: Well, no, it can't be PG thirteen. There's nudity. No, it's, in it. it's
0: it's 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 some gruesome stuff and uh and some nudity. Okay. Uh, but we never get uh we never get a Forrest Whitaker death.
2: Is he in Species oh. two?
0: He survives this thing, guys. I don't know if he's in in uh, species 2. I could find out with the
1: aid of the uh the internet right now. I my I would be willing to bet that no one from the first species other than Natasha Henstridge is in the second one.
0: My god, you'd be wrong. Really? You you want to know who's in please. species 2? Please. Well, yeah, Giannis. please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh other than Natasha Henstridge. You got Michael Madsen. Oh, oh. wow. You got uh and you got Marg Helgenberger, both returned. They both came back. But I'm not seeing Monsieur Witteke. I
2: was thinking okay. there might be like a
0: cameo or something. But that's great
2: because it opens me up to write my Dan Smithson yes. continuing adventures.
1: Yes, continued yep. adventures. I am on board. Mm-hmm. Write to uh, whatever the writer's name is. Get Dim right. it, yeah. And. Uh, yeah. Oh, That's to a good idea. It's, it's a good so idea, much fun. Y'all. Or just, you know, create your own empath character <laughs> who is a jiggle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not a bad idea. It's yeah. Good. Uh, uh, any other uh, reactions? Any uh, criticisms of these pieces before we wrap this up? I, You know, Andrew, I enjoyed your take here. Um, Thank you.
2: I, I definitely, like I was watching it as you were reading it. Which is Thank a really you. good experience to have when you're talking about this type of film.
1: Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Yeah, because again, that setting to me was really important. So I'm glad that you could see it. Oh yeah. See it and everything. And again, man, just man, I was rolling. I hope that the <laughs> I hope the audience can listen to this. We might have to like, Eric, you might have to cut out some of the laughing because I'm I just I was just I it was hard for me. I was like away from the mic. You know, trying not to, but I hope it's not unlistenable. we might have to cut some stuff out. Oh, man. Uh, So good, man. Well,
0: this pleased me greatly. I am so very happy we did Species. Oh, me too. Let's do more stuff like this in the future, please. Oh, yes, please.
2: I I love writing these things where you can just do something ridiculous. That's so much fun.
0: Yes. Uh, For for
2: sure. So I've got to watch Species now. Andrew, let's watch it. You do. do. Yes, let's
0: do it. You definitely should... Um, as we said, it was Dennis Feldman who did a fine
1: job writing Species. He wrote the movie he set out to write. And he did. that movie is so unabashedly itself, I'm sure, like yep. I, I'd imagine. So good on him. He made a lot it of is money. The,
0: it's the second or third best version of his story I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, the boy. director
0: was Roger Donaldson. And uh, that's, uh, that's all you need to know. I should probably figure out where you could watch this since I don't know, like you probably go to a, like a, like a videotape rental store, nope. you know, one of those places. That's it's prob- 1995 no. after all. Oh boy. But we're so, not uh, in. nope. <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> uh, and I think that's the only, uh, that's the only place you can see it. Uh, I watched it on the internet. It's uh, you can find it on some Amazon video, some YouTube, some stuff like that. And uh, yeah, enjoy. Just go watch it, find it online. There are you can watch it cut apart on YouTube.
1: Oh, oh those so are if the you great, like watched hits, it, the
0: greatest hits. No, just zoomed in a little bit so they don't get hit with copyright infringement and like ten minutes at a time. Oh. Over oh, the sure. course of, you know, like like nine clips or whatever. So no, we don't uh, recommend you, that. If you want to watch it that way. Don't do that.
1: don't, yeah, do, don't it. do that. It's terrible. Support
2: Ron Don Edison. I, I bet this still gets some play at midnight
0: screenings. That's my guess. I hope this is a cult hit because if it's not, it should be. Let's Can, start a cult. Gonna be
1: honest. Gonna be honest. I don't think it is. That's I, so I, sad. I, I until this, I I hadn't heard much uh, much talk of species.
2: Well, look out for a uh, species screening as our season three fundraising goal. Oh, that's um, a good idea. Well, and Demon, well, Demon Night, really too. Really good idea. <laughs> should do a sham fiction screening series. Yeah, let's do it. That'd be fun.
0: I like that anyway, idea a lot. I think uh I think we got that uh, we got this that rhythm the of the rhythm night going. Right. Right. It's time to time oh, to yeah. say goodnight. The rhythm of my life. Oh, yeah. That's the one. Thanks for listening, brother.
1: Thank, Thank you so much. This is the rhythm of my life. My life. Oh yeah. The rhythm Sham Fiction is a Two Jackets production hosted by Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann
0: and Andrew Neal. Original music by Reed Reimer. Head to shamfiction.com for the episode archive. Sham Fiction.
1: Write what you don't know. It's a hell of a thing writing a sham. Eight minute pitch is all you got and all you're ever gonna have. If Eric and Marcus don't know that now, they best pick it up quick. We got a stone-cold classic riding into town next time, and whoever shams it best collects the bounty. It's unforgiven. Clint Eastwood's deconstruction of the Western and the 1993 Academy Award winner for Best Picture. You may reckon it deserved it, but hell, it deserves got nothing to do with it. Y'all clear out of here now. Come on, get.
0: This has been a Two Jackets production.